Good morning, everybody, and welcome to episode 164 of the Ask the Coach show where Ping Skills helps you improve your table tennis. A fun fact about 164 is that it is the sum of two square numbers, 10 squared plus 8 squared, which is 100 plus 64, which equals 164. Today, we'll talk about the unstoppable Ma Long and his victory at the China Open, the service rules, and in the questions, we'll discuss footwork drills for moving in and out, serving really fast, robots, and table tennis blades. I'm Jeff Plum, and as always, Super Coach Alois Rosario is here with me to answer your questions. Welcome, Alois. Uh, thank you, Jeffrey, and a little bit of a different time slot. We've had to go to this morning because... Last night, that internet connection just wasn't working well enough. So uh, hopefully this morning, it's good. Absolutely, Alois. Now, how does that mess with your this day in history? Because I'm sure you would have prepared a lot and then we've changed days now. It's all right. I've got two, Jeffrey. Oh, awesome. (laughs) So yesterday's this day in history, which is Monday, (coughs) was... um, I'm just oh that's right yeah very interesting one here Jeffrey it was International Biodiesel Day in remembrance of when Rudolf Diesel's engine powered by a biofuel ran on its own power for the first time and the year was 1893 so yesterday was International Biodiesel Day I bet you didn't know that one Jeffrey I did not and, know that. And can you top that and make an even more interesting this day in history for today, Tuesday? Yes, indeed, indeed. So Phobos and Demos were discovered today. What were? Phobos and Demos. What are they? Mars's two moons, Jeffrey. This they were discovered. In 1877, well, not today, like, you know, 1877 today. Wow, that's interesting. You know, maybe we should just do a show just on fun stuff that happened on this day. Exactly. Now you're you're talking. (laughs) All right. Now, the first thing I want to talk about, Alois, is the China Open and Ma Long, he's just unstoppable. Yeah, it was good. He was he was definitely good, old Marlong, wasn't he? Um, he um, he beat uh, Zhu Zin in the final. I'm just going to the to Spinified to get the results up. So um, yeah, beat Zhu Zin in the final, four one. Early looked like Zhu Zin was in with a chance. Um, Marlong was up ten six in the first, and Zhu Zin came back and won that game. Um, then Marlong won the second really easily. Um, then the third, you know, uh, it was just it just started to get away from uh, Zuzin. Interesting, Zuzin's um, body language didn't look fantastic. Um, you know, he just looked a little bit lethargic or a little bit not quite not quite focused, not quite there. Whereas Marlong, as always, just the bulldog. You know, was in there fighting hard for every single point. And I think yeah. in the end that was... yeah Interesting, Alois, because Marlong seems to have got Zuzin's measure um, lately, from what I can see. Um, so Marlong now three times in a row, back-to-back-to-back to back to back at the China Open. 
Um, he, he beat Zuzin in the final uh, this year and last year and then beat him when they played in the final at the Kuwait Open earlier this year as well. So, you know, maybe that's something to do with uh, Zuzin's body language. Yeah, maybe. Like, in, just looking at their games, you know, like Ma Long's got his two sides. He's got his backhand and forehand. And Zuzin has to work so hard um, with his footwork, you know, to get around and, and play his forehand. And Marlong almost, well, I mean, they, they obviously see a lot of each other, train a lot with each other. And Marlong now almost looks like he can just pick off where Zuzin's going, you know, like Zuzin's going um, out wide to Marlong's forehand and he's just sort of sit, sitting there waiting for the block. So I think, you know, a little bit of that as well. Um, so, yeah, Marlong definitely on top. The other the other big story for of the men's singles was Yuya Oshima from Japan. Um, making it through all the way to the semi-final and um, had three 4-3 victories on his way. So first up, beat uh, Ovcharov first match, then beat Koki Niwa, his compatriot, 4-3 in the second round, beat Chang Chiyuan, 4-3 in the quarterfinal, and then... Who beat Zhangzi Kerr. That's right, who beat Zhangzi Kerr. And then in the semis, went down to Ma Long 4-3. So um, the only one to really push uh, Ma Long um, in the tournament. Oh, yeah. Having said that, first round, did you see that result? Um, Ma Long played Antoine Hachard from uh, France and won 4-2. So don't know what was going on there. Haven't seen the match at all. Uh, I don't know Antoine Hachard at all. So it'd be interesting to see his game. Yeah, from France, ranked 111 in the world, 28 win-loss record in 2015 on the Pro Tour. So, you know, decent yep. player. Obviously, yeah. So uh, anyone that can get two games off uh, from Ma Long is, uh, is okay in my book. Yeah, and 21 years old, Antoine Hatchard. So there you go. Uh, interesting, interesting stuff, Alloys. And how yeah, was the women's? Women's singles, um, another, another upset. So Zhu Yuling um, winning the final. So And on the way, beat the two uh, World Championship finalists, beat Lu Xi Wen 4-2 in the semi, and then an absolute smacking of Ding Ning in the final, 4-0. And it wow. looked comfortable. Yeah, it looked comfortable too. Um, again, Zhu Yuling, Zhu Yuling looks like she's really stepped up a level. And for Rio next year, I reckon she has thrown her hat well and truly into the ring. Um, to uh, to challenge those other two for the for the title. Interesting, um, because you know the China Open's a big tournament, like you said, and if you can win that tournament, yeah, you certainly have um, you know staked your claim for Rio. Let's yeah. see what happens. Yeah, as, as we talked about, I, I mean, the field for the China Open is probably stronger than the field is going to be at in Rio, given the number of uh, Chinese players that were allowed to play. So, yeah, big win, big win for Zhu Yuling. Zhu Yuling, indeed, who I think is just turned 20, Alois. So, so still very young, yeah. Absolutely. Plenty of, uh, yeah, plenty of upside there. All right, hey. well, excellent. Another great tournament by the ITTF on the World Tour. Um, great to see. And, um, yeah, let's wait for the next one. Exciting stuff. Now... Yesterday's Ping Skillers question of the day was who will win the men's and singles uh, at the China Open? Well, it wasn't yesterday because it was actually Friday. But anyway, um, 
How did people go? Did anyone pick the winners? Uh, no, not really. Um, well, <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I have to say, Ankush An uh, picked Mal Long halfway through, um, and George Christou said Mal Long as well. So, um, yeah, um, early up, uh, Kit said Zhangzi Kerr, but he went down very early in the tournament. So uh, to Chuang Chi Yuan. Um, and, uh, yeah, Ma Long, a popular popular win. So George said, Ma Long, too dangerous and effective with the forehand. It will be the difference. Well, you might have been right there, George. So, uh, yeah, there you go. Very good. All right, that moves us on to the Ping Skillers question of the day, which is, do you boost? So jump onto our Facebook page, uh, facebook.com slash pingskills, or onto our blog at pingskills.com slash table tennis blog. And let us know, do you boost? Really interested to find out about your answers to this one. Okay, now let's get on to a discussion, Alois, about the service rule. It's always controversial, and we did a ping pod about it a while ago um, and talked about some options for serving. And Larry Hodges from the USA has proposed a new service rule and he's modified it slightly. Do you want to talk to us a little bit about um, his proposal? I might let you talk about that, Jeffrey. I haven't uh, haven't been through <laughs> haven't been through it fully. I'm totally unprepared. But no, he um, yeah. So he said um, so his proposed rule is that from the start of the service until it is struck, the ball shall be above the level of the playing surface and behind the server's end line, and it shall not be hidden from the receiver. Um, by the server by the server or his doubles partner, da-da-da-da. Um, I've tested this out at my club along with many others, and it solves the problem. If you try to hide the ball from an opponent in a normal ready position, it's obvious you are hiding the ball from at least part of the net. So I think the main uh, difference there is... Behind the service line, I'm just trying to just trying to pick it up. Yeah, it's interesting because I think before it was, um... uh, yeah. No, I think he's talking about you know hiding it from any part of the net or and its upward extension. But I think that's already in the rule, isn't it? See, before it was like the serve must be visible to both umpires um, or where yeah. both umpires would sit, so it kind of opens up that angle. Which, yeah, that was his proposal, but he's trying to simplify it. Um, and he said that um, <coughs> you require the ball to be visible to the umpire where it sits. Yeah, so that's what he said there. And then he said, sorry, I've just lost it too. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. I mean, it, yeah, it's all interesting. And um, Marston um, also had a, an idea, um, and that was um, he wanted he wanted the players to be within the end lines of the table is what I can gather from what uh, from his proposal. So he said, um, at the moment, a pendulum serve is very suited for hiding the body, but if there is a rule forbidding standing opposite to the table, so I think he means outside of the table lines, um, as everyone stands. Uh, means that the meaning that the left foot matches the right side. So at the moment, that's where it is. Then using hiding the body won't be natural anymore and very risky. So he's talking about 
um, serving from directly behind the line of the table. That's also an interesting one. Um, yeah, so then if you try to turn your body around and, and hide the ball, you, you're almost disadvantaging yourself. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't know. I, it, it, it just always gets a little bit murky, doesn't it, with, uh, with the service rule? It does, and it needs to be clean and easy to umpire. So, yeah, um, so Larry's new rule, basically, yeah, you think that's already covered in the rules because it says that it must not be hidden from the receiver or any part of the net. Yeah, well, that's that's the intention of the rule at the moment, I, I think, Larry. Um, yeah, but, but maybe it's just uh, hard to understand the way it's worded at the moment. Yeah, yeah, because in, in a lot of the... Um, the videos and things that they show uh, demonstrating the the intent of the rule. Uh, that's that's basically what they say. I think that you know that the ball has to be um, clearly visible to the net or the or the upper extension of it. So yeah, interesting stuff. All right. Well, let's but see. How- certainly, you know, uh, there, there's a lot of good minds out there, and you know, if you've got ideas about the service rule, um, you know, we'll put we'll put it up and. You know, maybe we can make some changes. You know, it'd be it'd be really good to to try to clean this service rule up because it is such a bugbear. Um, and the other the other thing, my my pet hate with the service rule is the one about um, throwing the ball backwards. So, you know, either they've got to get rid of the rule or enforce it because now, like almost all the players start with their hand over at the middle line and throw it back and hit it from the sideline. So they're throwing it back, you know, half the width of the table and hitting it, which, you know, is almost a natural action. But then at other times they'll pick it, pick you up for, you know, throwing the ball backwards, you know, just, uh, you know, 30 centimetres or whatever. So, yeah, that, that rule's got to be cleaned up as well. Don't like it. Certainly does. Interesting. All righty. Well, yeah, let us know what your thoughts are. We'll put a link in the show notes. So just go to pingseals.com and click on the blog link and you'll find a link to that whole discussion about the service rules. All right, Alois, let's get on to some questions. Ilias asked, or he said, footwork drills that I've seen so far focus solely on lateral movement or going from side to side. But sometimes an attacking player needs to move in and out. What are the best drills to practice this movement with the attacking strokes? Yeah, so so you're very right, Ilya. A lot of a lot of our um, attention is on the sideways movement, and I suppose that's because most of our movement is sideways. But you do need to be able to move in and out. Uh, one that I like um, to do, and it's not all that easy to practice, is um, getting someone to block softly and then harder at you. So by blocking soft, they've got to come in and make the top spin, and then when you block harder. Uh, you've got to move out and make the top spin. So there's just that movement from out to closer in. The other, the other one um, that you can practice is, you know, just the the movement for the short push or the sh- or the flick. So moving in with your right foot, um, making the short ball, and then moving out for the top spin um, again. So that's also another good um, footwork m- movement that you can practice. And I think that one's really easy to practice with with multi ball, getting someone to feed it short. Um, and then feeding the next one long and out. So you're needing to move in and out um, quickly. Yeah, yeah, good advice. And good to see you thinking about that, Ilya. 
Now, just a quick plug for the Ping Skills Premium Membership. We have a 52-week training plan, which we break up into four-week blocks, focusing on a different area each week. And one of those four-week blocks is on footwork. And so we do cover a lot of the sideways movement, but we also mention in and out footwork there. So if you're looking to improve your game, consider the Ping Skills Premium Membership. And there's plenty of other stuff too, like a whole course on serving, receiving. There's match strategy videos, uh, multi-ball videos, uh, sports psychology videos. So plenty of stuff to help you improve your game. So check out pingskills.com and the Premium Membership. All right. Next question is from David. He says, when performing a serve, are you trying to make it with the maximum speed you're able to produce with your arm and wrist or are you holding back since it's not really worth it risk versus reward wise? I'm still learning and if I try to go really fast with my bat, I miss the ball. Aha. Uh-huh. Yes. So definitely when you're learning, work at getting as much speed as you can with your racket. Um Especially, and that's why it's important to, to have plenty of training time because you will make lots of mistakes when you're trying to um, get that bat moving really fast. If you only do it in a match situation, you're going to serve three out of four faults. You're going to lose every match that you play. So it's important to get out there on the practice table and just practice that. How do you generate the speed? So, yes, it is the wrist, it is the forearm, and it's the flicking action, and you need to get a nice big swing at it as well. So if you just do this, you're not going to generate enough speed. Get out there and really rip through it. And and as you can see, with that action, to try and then um, get a good contact is really difficult. It takes a lot of practice. So practice, practice, practice. Absolutely. Now, I guess that especially when you're learning, good idea to practice that. But there certainly is some kind of balance. Like you don't want to have like a really full arm swing, do you? Because I think that just makes it too difficult to try and your bat's moving too far. I think if you limit it more to, you know, your forearm and your wrist, is that going to get you enough speed? Uh, Yes, it will eventually. But I think initially when when you're just learning it, I think it's just easier with a bigger arm swing. Um, just to get the full action, then you can start to to shorten it out a little bit and just utilize your. It's hard to see there. Utilize your your forearm and your wrist as well. So yes. So you know, but maybe initially, just to get the feel of it, you might get a nice big arm swing at it. Got it. Excellent. All right, there you go, David. Get out on the table, practice that serve, keep working at it. Um, and you you'll start to pick it up. Good to see you practicing such an important skill. Well done, David. All right, now Mike has a question. He says, I really enjoy your website. Thanks, Mike, and the lessons. Thank you for helping me become a better player. I have a very inexpensive table and an inexpensive robot. Which should I upgrade first? Should I buy a new robot or a new table? Ah, interesting question. Um, I thought about this a lot, and in the end I decided... Robot, uh, because I think that can make um, a big difference to the to your um, ability to train. So the table won't make a lot of difference to the ability to train. So if you if you're upgrading the robot where you can um, uh, alternate the positions and have variations of positions and that sort of thing and different spins, then I think that's probably more useful for your skill development. Um, the table, you know, the bounce will be a little bit different. 
up, down, um, but it's not going to make a whole lot of difference, I don't think. So, yeah, for me, robot. Interesting question. Uh, I like it, Mike, and uh, good to see you taking your game seriously. And I guess it's a personal choice, isn't it? There's a lot of uh, factors like, you know, can you get to a club where you've already got a better table? Um, do you have practice partners all the time so you don't need a robot and stuff? But there you go. Alois has gone robot. Thanks for the question, Mike, and hopefully that helps you out. Let us know what you choose. All right, Chris has got another equipment question. He says, I've spent about $250 for a Butterfly Force ZLF blade. I've used it for almost a year now, and I was curious, after spending so much on the blade, is there any significance or significant difference with the newer blades? So, yeah, should I get a newer blade? And do you have any tips on maintenance for my year-old blade? Yeah, so answer to the first question, no. Um, there is no need to change your blade. There's no new brilliant technology that's going to change your game. Just stick with your blade um, and train harder. Um, so as far as maintenance of your blade, yeah, I think probably the main things are um, if you can get some edge tape that protects your blade um, from, especially when you're banging um, banging into the table with your pushing especially, um, yeah, so the edge tape will protect that. And then the other thing is just when you're removing your rubber and um, and putting new rubber on, just being really careful when you're removing that rubber. So so go around um, the edges slowly and just peel the peel the rubber off slowly and just work your way into into the middle. If you just go and rip the rubber off, you're likely to um, to take bits of the the blade away as well. So so yeah, so just be really careful when you're um, taking the rubber off. Um, if you do have a little bit of, you know, unevenness, it's okay to use some sandpaper or some grit paper just to just to sand that uh, back a little bit and smooth it off again. So yeah, so that's probably that's probably the main things. Interesting, because in a lot of sports, you know, technology plays a big part and changes the game as you know time goes on. And I think with table tennis. That has happened, but it's more to do with the rubbers than the blade is my thoughts. Alice, would you agree with that? Yeah, def- definitely the rubber is changing. But again, you know, like, I mean, it's changing, but I don't think it's changing that quickly. You know, um, there's there's not some new rubbers out in the last th- three months or six months that are wonderfully better. You know, Tenergy is probably still um, one of the best rubbers and that's been out for years now. Um, yeah, so... I don't. I don't think it's changed that quickly. I mean, over time, it certainly has changed a lot. But you know, to upgrade from um, a blade from a year ago to now, no difference. Still made out of wood, right? Yeah, exactly. It's especially on the blade side. Uh, great question, Chris. So um, our recommendation: stick with your current blade. Sounds like a great blade. And um, yeah, Alloy's actually had one of his blades for. 20 years. So if you look after it, it can uh, do you well. All right. Now a question from Long who says, I haven't played table tennis for three to four months. Do you have a training method for me to get back into the game? Yeah. So Long, um, I suppose the main thing initially is just to um, slow things down, get a bit of consistency, just hit a lot of balls on the table. Um, I think that's the best advice uh, when you're just coming back after a few months break. Um, 
often, you know, when we come back, we want to get out there and hit the ball as hard as we can and try all our um, fancy tricks and things. But, yeah, just, just get out there. Just get the feel of the ball. And it might take a week. It might take, you know, two or three sessions of just playing a little bit more consistently and just being patient um, and not expecting too much in those first two or three sessions. But after that, you'll find you'll slip back into things pretty quickly. Great. Welcome back to the game long. It is a fantastic game. Great to see you back and playing. Just remember, get out there and have fun. Awesome. All right, Alois, that wraps up a delayed show 164. Thanks, everyone, for your patience. Thanks for watching. Make sure you check out pingskills.com and sign up for our free newsletter if you haven't. Great weekly tips. And uh, thank you, Alois. Thanks, Jeffrey. See you, everyone. Bye.